And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Mile High Green Cross. Sign up for their loyalty program and receive 20% off your entire purchase once per month. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies, and I am riding solo today as we discuss some old baseball. You know, we've been doing... Uh, some old baseball on our own through the hashtag DNVR watches community parties we've been having. It's been a whole lot of fun. We've been watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary, but on opening day, Major League Baseball decided to throw us uh, a really fun treat here. Today, Major League Baseball decided to run a, a string of free games on YouTube and uh, Periscope or, or via the, the Twitter uh, video uh, service that they have. And uh, I, I want to say a few things about that first before we get into the game, because I, I have to begin by saying it was a great thing for Major League Baseball to do. Um, certainly completely in theory that they offered, you know, fans of every team in baseball at least one, some of them two games today. Uh, actually, later on from the recording of this, they'll be playing another Rockies game, uh, one from 2005 that's actually an opening day. And and good, good hardcore fans from that time will remember what happened there. But I do have to say, uh, the execution of this left a little bit to be desired. The, the feeds were jumping around a little bit. Uh, the YouTube and the Twitter feeds were not synced up, which I thought was a really, really strange situation where you had it so that like one was way ahead of the other. And, and I will say, you know, we've been doing our our own kind of version of this for a little while now with the hashtag uh, DNVR watches. And we've been watching Ken Burns baseball. We watched the Ubaldo no hitter. Uh, for some reason, we've been watching Love is Blind, uh, also old Abs and Nuggets games. And uh, this was the first one that kind of lined up with, we were originally going to watch the Arenado walk-off cycle actually the day before. And we switched our schedule because of this, knowing that pretty much everyone was going to be watching this game at this time. We decided to, you know, go along with that and, and get everyone on board and do our episode on baseball yesterday. But um, I was not super impressed with the way Major League Baseball was able to present this. I'm really glad they're doing it. I hope they learned some things today. Uh, there were some wonky things 
you know, we've run into technical difficulties doing it. There's a lot of weird, you know, just pragmatics you wouldn't necessarily think of. And so I get that it's difficult, but I, I will say that I, I've been, in hindsight, much more proud of the way we've been able to to run our, you know, simultaneous community watches um, and, and link everybody up at the same time and, and be able to do it. And I, I think they'll be able to do a better job uh, moving forward. So let's get into the actual game. I'll start with my own uh, personal story. It's not much different from any of the others over the last uh, several years. Of course, I was just at this game like I am almost every single home game covering it uh, from the press box. I will say, um, I'll give you some sort of inside the press box feeling uh, that day because it was interesting the way this thing sort of bubbled and percolated and, and felt like it was going to happen. And it, it was not uncommon for us to joke any time that Nolan Arenado hit a triple, because if you if you were listening carefully on the broadcast, this was only the 20th triple of his career, so not something he did often. And as we all know, speed is the one skill that can really help you in the game of baseball that he just does not have. He's not as slow sometimes as it seems, but it's he's you know it's just not there for him. And so when he hit the triple in the first inning, I think a lot of us, maybe jokingly, maybe half-jokingly, going, hey, cycle watch, because Nolan Arenado hitting a triple is a rare thing. Nolan Arenado hitting a double, a single, or a home run, not rare in the slightest. You almost expect to see those things with a certain amount of regularity. And so when he hit the triple... We all kind of looked around and said, hey, he could hit for the cycle today. You know, so you put that thought away. And then, again, in his next step bat, single to right field. All right, okay. You figure, again, that's not that unusual. He got a fastball out away from him. He hit it through the right side. Oftentimes, pitchers will say, I'll take that. Against Nolan, I'll take that. Uh, you know, they'd almost just as soon walk him and it's all the same to them if he hits a single through the right side fair enough okay he's third at bat now you know we're playing a baseball game and i don't think anybody's really thinking too much about the cycle rockies are down two to nothing at this point and if you'll recall i mean they were on a run they were talking about it a bit on the broadcast and yes this was the game that put them 20 games over uh and it was uh their seventh win in a row over the Giants, and there was just a bunch of like positive momentum building for the Rockies. Uh, of course, one thing that's not noted on the broadcast, because they would have no way of knowing, uh, they went into a little bit of a tailspin right after this and could not finish the first half well, um, except for the fact that Kyle Freeland nearly no-hit the White Sox. Uh, beyond that, it just, uh, they kind of fell apart after this. However, the momentum, you know, you know, you know, we're we're also still thinking this is a team that's about to move twenty games over five hundred. They could be legitimate contenders to beat the Dodgers, and now they're down two nothing in this game. They've had multiple chances, but they haven't really hit well with guys on base. They haven't been moving runners over. Uh, they still wouldn't uh, at this point, but 
LeMahieu's good hitter. Gets hit, gets good hit. Nolan Arenado hits double. Rockies get on the board. So I, I love this irony, too, because, of course, we remember the home run, but he bookended this whole thing. It was he who got the Rockies on the board, and that, in a way, in and of itself, is a clutch hit. For him to drive in the first run of the game, oftentimes ball players will tell you the hardest run to score is the first one. It, it's tough to break the ice and feel like you're, you're going to go out there and score some runs, especially when you haven't now for five or six innings to nothing when you just haven't managed to get anything done feels like a huge hill to climb where two one really does not and that's where he put him there of course then the rockies did strand him but of course once he hit that double you're going well now now we're in for something here the the possibility that this man would hit a home run Especially because, and this is something that's kind of funny, because I I think this may, I don't know what he was asked specifically after this game, and if he said, I wasn't trying to do that, but if he said that, he lied to you, and it was a perfectly innocent lie, but it's funny because he has said to me and to other people a few hundred times, when I hit home runs, I have to try to hit home runs. He'll usually praise somebody like Trevor Story in this and say, oh, you know, Trev, like he can just, he's so strong. He'll just throw the bat at it, man. That guy, he'll hit a home run on accident. And he does. That's, that's, that's actually true. You've seen him do it. You've seen him. You have seen Trevor Story hit a home run and fall on his butt at the same time. Um, But Nolan insists that he has to be working for it, that he's got to be, that he basically has to put his home run swing on it. So you know, coming up, first pitch, he wasn't going to wait around. There was, it's incredible um, to hit a home run when everybody knows what's on the line. The cycle, the game, a home run, (laughs) Uh, the blown save on the other side. And... It was, it just, it it did feel inevitable. So the story at the end, again, from inside, from the press box, from my view, when he came up, I stood up out of my seat. And, and if you all don't know, there's a very strict rule against cheering in the press box. And it is, it's almost always adhered to, uh, sometimes if there's a really great defensive play, there'll be a lot of like audible, like, whoa, like that's not going to get you in trouble or anything. But no clapping or cheering or any of that. That would be highly unprofessional. And in these, you know, most of the time, whatever. That's how it should be. But in these situations, it can sometimes be surreal to watch something like this happen. And so what I did, I got up and I stood behind uh, my chair. You know, I just kind of holding on to the back of the seat I'd been sitting in for most of the game because I just felt like I had to stand up and I knew this was going to be a special moment. I kind of wanted to observe it. Like I I was sitting kind of on the end of a row. and, And when I stood up, I could look out over all of the rest of the press box and I'm looking straight down at Nolan and the plate on a straight line out to left field. Right, that that is my view. I'm I'm basically lined up with the third baseman, and 
I, he hit the ball and I honestly couldn't tell you if I watched the entire flight of it until it left. I believe what I did was turn around in a circle once out of just a physical manifestation of, I feel like I knew that was coming, but I still can't believe he did it. By the time I turned around, I, I, I just sort of saw the ball leave. And then I looked out over the crowd and over the press box and just tried to take it all in. And there were reporters who've been doing this for 30, 40, 50 years, looking at each other, smiling. Some of the guys from the Giants are, you know, maybe a bit more befuddled about it, but nobody had zero reaction. Nobody in that press box, you know, there's no, and it's so weird to watch a group of people who aren't supposed to show very particular kinds of emotions, like react to this huge explosion of emotion around them and all just kind of try to non-verbally communicate to each other. Can you believe what we just saw? At Headman Ben asks Arenado or McKinnon, who is more fun to watch? I can only say Arenado for me because I understand far better uh, why what he's doing is amazing. For McKinnon, there are certain things that it's like, well, obvious uh, to be sure. And the more I learn about hockey, I think the more I'll grow an appreciation for those kinds of things. But I do think that, you know, for the most part, it's going to be the case that you're going to have a deeper appreciation for the thing you have a deeper understanding of. And I definitely have a deeper understanding of the game of baseball. So there are a lot of little nuanced things that Nolan does. There wasn't much in this game that was nuanced or that requires my particular eye to relay to you something that maybe other people might have missed. I feel like that's a little bit my bread and butter when it comes to baseball. I, I can't do that with hockey. Um, but in this particular case, uh, you don't need me for that. Nolan just, well, he hit a triple, and then he hit a single, and then he hit a double, and then he hit a home run. And that home run ended the game and completed the cycle. It was a very good thing to do. He did very good. It was very good baseball playing. If you want very good pizza with your very good baseball watching, we're going to be doing this a lot, and you've got to get, you got to get fed. you got to keep drinking your Breck brews. you got to keep watching the games. Uh, I know it's going to be tough for a lot of you staying inside, but we're going to do everything we can to make sure that you're entertained, to make sure that there is still baseball in your life, whether it's old games, virtual baseball, whatever it is. But the perfect companion for all of that is the only true Colorado mountain pie from our friends at Bojo's. And they're offering 30% off your takeout order when you ask for it. That's a fantastic deal they can do the takeout or they can do delivery through doordash but the to-go orders are at all the locations right now i'm telling you you're not going to be disappointed in the pizza no way to be uh, so head over to bojo's or make a delivery order 
get some Breck Brew. They pair perfectly together and keep watching uh, baseball with us. A few other notes here from the Periscope at a Novak. 1986 says listening to that broadcast you could hear the excitement of drew and huey talking about the minors i thought that was really fun and interesting too uh so of course some of these games that are a little bit more recent like i'm not going to go through all the analysis of the game like i would on a normal podcast because this wasn't that long ago and you could probably very easily find the podcast that i did right after the game and so i think a lot of these Things are interesting to look at. Um, them talking about the minors, particularly glowing over Ryan McMahon, who at that time was hitting 460 in AAA. It was an absolutely amazing month for McMahon. Uh, a couple of months he had there in AAA. That year was just insane. And he earned a call up at the very end, didn't really play much. They did. He began the year in AA. They didn't expect him to make the majors by the end. But when you looked at the numbers, uh, what he did in his stint in AAA in 2017 is one of the most impressive stretches of baseball at any level that I've seen from any player uh, in the Colorado Rockies um, system. It was absolutely amazing. And yeah, glowing about Brendan Rodgers. Tyler Nevin, uh, who was really just getting going at the time, and, and he's had a little bit of an injury issue throughout his minor league career, but he's still on track. Like I still think Nevin has a chance to be a pretty good player. And, you know, it's funny because a Novak uh, follows that up saying three years later, we have the worst minor league system. And that's such a, I, I actually think that this is an interesting comment on that because I, I find that to be silly and untrue. And that that's part of the reasons why, or rather, you know, if it's true, it's true on technicality because Ryan McMahon is no longer a prospect. And depending on who you ask or where you're doing the cutoff, then Brendan Rodgers is no longer a prospect. And Peter Lambert is no longer a prospect. And Antonio Senzatella is no longer a prospect. But functionally speaking, all of those guys are prospects. And if you were counting them, the Rockies would not be rated as the worst minor league system. The Rockies do have an inordinate number of talented 24-year-olds and younger. It's just that more of them have major league experience. That's what drives me crazy about this narrative. It's it's being held against the Rockies that their young players have major league experience. You could even argue that Rymel Tapia, who's 26, and some guys don't debut until they're 26, that he is still a prospect and he's never been a starter and he's been working his way toward that and was just last year given an opportunity to be an everyday starter so in that way you know he's a young player with untapped potential who hasn't been a major part of your team who if you increase his role he should be able to help you win games if that's what we're met and and to me I, I feel like the talk of rating all the minor league systems that point gets lost. The conversation should be how many players do you have that fit that category I just laid out? Young players with untapped potential who very reasonably could be given larger roles on your team to help you be more competitive. And in that category, the Rockies do not lack. They're not in the bottom third. Uh, they're not even in the bottom half when it comes to that. And so 
Um, just don't don't lose sight of that because again, these guys, even Ryan McMahon, who you know, it would be quite a stretch to call him a prospect. He was basically a starter for all of last year. There's still he fits into the other category I was talking about of young player, untapped potential, hasn't reached his physical prime, is still being given a bigger role on the team, and you know so I think even the the guys they were glowing about, we certainly haven't seen what Brendan Rodgers can do. Ad Headman Ben says I played against Brendan Rodgers in a Nationals tourney down in Florida. He hit an oppo bomb off me. <laughs> Guy can hit. Um, I was sitting near uh, a scout recently who was talking about Brandon Rogers and was saying basically that he, he, he didn't take anything from his numbers at the major league level last year, that the far more important things were the mechanics of the swing, the type of pitches that he was swinging at. He said, that all checks out. The numbers are going to be there. The question he was asked was actually, um, is can Rogers be a 10 to 15 home run kind of guy? And the scout kind of cockeyed went, if something goes really wrong, like he's a 20 to 25 home run guy, if he hits 280 or 290, if he hits 250, he could be a 30 home run guy. And... That's how I still see Rodgers. And and I think he's going to play very good defense at second base. I was very impressed with the little bit we saw him there at spring training. God, he was in shape and ready to go. Just brutal. I mean, I I still think there's a chance. The first time I saw Brendan Rodgers in real life was in Grand Junction and batting practice. And, this, and, and I'll, I'm not a scout, but now that I've heard a scout say it, the bat speed. There's, there's certain, you can't teach a certain bat speed uh, and there's no amount of working out. There's no, I mean, some guys can mechanically really get the most out of it, but some guys just have a natural bat speed ability. And Brendan Rogers is one of those guys. It's, it's a near perfect right-handed swing. And I've gotten the opportunity to chat with him a bit over the years too. He's got a good head on his shoulders works his ass off it usually works out for guys like there's a high floor in my opinion on brendan rogers what we've seen at the major league level is no one's ever going to remember that let me put it that way this guy has potential all-star written all over him uh atrawartha sean says does the delay hurt or help b rod um probably in a way it helps him out. Um, it, it hurts. It's certainly going to hurt in the immediate like it does everybody else because he was ready to get that live action. But there was some thought, and, and I talked to some people around the organization who were worried that Rodgers was working too hard to get back too fast. And what are you going to do? Count that against the kid? No one's going to count that against him. But I was getting the sense that the Rockies were maybe considering, you know, starting to pull back the reins a little bit, which was going to be tough to do because he looked good out there. I think he got one game at second base and he got two or three interesting chances, made nice plays. And I'm just going, man, you got a guy who's going to play second base like that and hit 25 or 30 home runs. You move Ryan McMahon to first base, you trade Daniel Murphy. That's an easy decision to make. But, you know, that could be, 
something that comes along. I, I think now whenever baseball gets started again, there's not going to be any question about whether or not he's healthy and he's going to get a full spring training just like everyone else. The only thing, the only way I think it could hurt is because he was, he had so much positive momentum and I could just see in his eyes this, he was going to go out and destroy spring training to whatever degree he could. Um, and, you know, now that it, he was kind of out there and it was taken back, is it going to be the same or is everybody else going to be in this? Oh, we're just so happy baseball's back mode. That could be a little bit weird or interesting. But I do think that for the most part, uh, he's going to come out of that pretty well. I, I just I just believe that I'm just a believer in Brendan Rodgers. The way I was a believer in Ryan McMahon, the way I was a believer in John Gray, the way I've been a believer and and am still a believer in Ryan Altapia, and you know I've got a list of of guys I believed in that didn't make it, and I don't know that I've got a list of minor leaguers I ever really believed in that just did not make it to the show. I think the closest to that was I thought Jordan Patterson had a chance to be pretty good, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's barely gotten a cup of coffee so far, but um, I don't know that the story is, is yet finished on Jordan either. Great guy, really great guy. Um, but, but I think pretty much everyone else I've ever pinned as like through the minors, I think this guy could be really good, has gotten to the majors and at least experienced some success. And, and so we'll, we'll see what, you know, the future has in store for Brandon Rogers, but I like almost every scout and every analytics person out there have been as high on him, if not higher than anybody else. Trevor Story, McMahon, maybe not Dahl. There, there are actually a, a lot of parallels right now between Dahl and Rogers. Um, but, you know, we'll find out. Getting back into the game a little bit, there was one other thing that I thought was a really interesting takeaway as I was looking at the roster because the Rockies take a lot of criticism. And I think a lot of, well, first of all, a lot of the criticism that they take is fair, obviously. But one thing that is a narrative that sort of catches on, which is interesting to take a look at when you're looking in hindsight, is this, um, they don't make any moves. They don't, make enough transactions they don't wheel and deal enough and they certainly don't i mean the numbers just show you they make fewer transactions uh, than any other trades i think at least uh and and maybe free agency signings as well at this point but the team looked very different didn't it tyler chatwood on the mound tom murphy behind the plate mark reynolds at first carlos gonzalez in right Greg Holland was the closer on this team. Um, yeah, it, it, it definitely felt very different. And DJ at second base, not all of the, obviously some of the changes have, have not been good. Um, but that was, it was definitely a different team. It was two years ago and people say, God, they, they just never change it up. Um, but you know, we're looking at Ryan McMahon at second base and Daniel Murphy at first base and um, who knows, either Scott Oberg or Wade Davis at closer. Um, 
So I, I thought that was kind of interesting. At Brendan28 uh, asks for my favorite Rockies moment. Like ever, ever? Like for forever, ever? That's a that's a tough question. I mean, it's probably gotta be game 163 in 2007 right uh like there was just so much drama in that moment as much as you're like hey they did go to the world series how about when they clinched for the world series but there was just so much less drama in that moment they'd swept the phillies they'd swept uh, they they'd beaten in three games to that point the diamondbacks and so it wasn't like oh man if they don't make this last out and Arizona comes back and, and wins the game. That's it. They're out. They're done. It's like, oh, there's three. They got to do that three times. And the Rockies, like, would just comfortably won each of the games in that series, as I recall. The Phillies series, to my recollection, was a bit more competitive. So I think it's Matt Holiday sliding into home plate is, is the number one Rockies moment. If you're looking for a number one Rockies moment that I was actually at because I just watched game 163 at home. I attended the Ubaldo Jimenez uh, blackout win over the Phillies game three NLDS. So the first time the Rockies had advanced in the playoffs and the only time the only year in their history where they've advanced out of the nlds so i was there for that occasion by myself bought a single ticket for a hundred dollars and sat about 16 play uh rows up the third baseline and i did not have a sweater and it was cold uh, and the lights went out at one point but the rockies won the game jeff baker got the game winning hit through the right side. Ubaldo pitched a hell of a game. Just a hell of a game. He's a rookie. Always bothers me when people say that, you know, ah, people, uh, Ubaldo Jimenez is really only good for half a season. Like, I'm sorry. As a rookie, he was the most dominant pitcher on a team that went to the World Series. We're not counting that. That doesn't count for Ubaldo Jimenez. He went up against the National League champions, a team that featured some of the best hitters of that day. Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Shane Victorino, who was maybe their best player that series. He hit a home run off of Ubaldo, I believe, to end a no-hitter he had going at Coors Field in the postseason. That man doesn't get enough respect, if you ask me. His, his legacy is not the first half of 2010, and that's it. Um, he was remarkable that game. And that's one of my favorite memories of, of a game that I was at. And then when I was a kid, I was at a game where Larry Walker hit a ball 378 feet or whatever it was. Or 300, excuse me, 478 feet. Um, up into where the party deck is now. And I was sitting in the right... I, again, I was up the third baseline. I watched it like a golf shot. It was amazing. It was absolutely 
absolutely amazing. You know what else is absolutely amazing? It's strava-rich CBD-infused coffee. I can personally vouch for this. It's all I drink anymore, and I drink a lot of coffee, but I don't get the shakes anymore. I don't get the crashes. I don't get the bad headaches. I feel so much more awake. I've got a ton of energy. It's something that you get delivered to you anyway. So purchase online for 20% off when you use code DNVR20. You want to be drinking your coffee, but you don't want to be wired and running around the house when you can't be out and doing anything. This is the perfect solution. CBD is not psychoactive. You don't have to be concerned if all that marijuana stuff is not your thing. That's not what this is. It's a medicinal property. It's really good for you. You can Google it. You can see all of the things. For me, it's really helped uh, with sleeping properly, with certain appetite issues that I've had in my life. I, I am promising you I'm not making any of this up. Strava Craft Coffee is really, really good, and it's delicious. It helps decrease anxiety, arthritis, IBS. So purchase online for 20% off using code DNVR20 couple more notes uh, from this game before I sign off here. How about your boy, Rhyme Altapia, getting the rally started? He took a couple of ugly swings in that at-bat, and then the ball he put into center field for the single that got it going. Not a strike. Nor, by the way, was the ball that Nolan Arenado hit off of Melanson for the walk-off home run. That ball was a good two or three inches inside. Not the first or only time that Nolan Arenado has done that. He actually kind of eats pitches up in there. If you don't get them high enough, uh, that's the hole in his swing. If you want to power pitch against Nolan Arenado, which is not recommended, but some guys are power pitches pitchers, and you know they they don't want to rely on their secondary or their third best pitch to beat a hitter like that. So. They'll figure, I'll throw my best hard stuff, but I'll throw it in and off the plate, and hopefully up and in and off the plate, so that he can't get around on it, or he'll have to pull it foul. That's their best option, is that he's going to pull that pitch foul, because he can get around on it. He almost always does. He's got extraordinarily quick hands. If you come up with that pitch, you're in a tougher spot. And that's why Nolan gets hit sometimes. And that's why he gets hit up. Uh, and so, you know, guys know they'll be in trouble if that happens too. It's a tough spot if you're the pitcher. But you miss down a little bit and you allow him to do what he did here. And as he's pulling his hands through, he drops the barrel. It's a thing of beauty. Like to, to watch someone do that quick, to beat the ball to that spot and keep it fair absolutely extraordinary but the tapia hit uh, a different kind of extraordinary and um the pitch is it's a, i think it was a change up or a slider out low away from him not going to be a strike uh the kind of pitch that if he swings through he's going to get chewed out by his manager but tapia has always had an extraordinary two strike approach the ability to go to a contact only uh looping liner swing is really incredible and he rises to the moment we've seen this out of tapia before as much as he does stuff that makes you scratch his head he really does seem to show up in the big moments i really hope that kid gets an opportunity 
kid. He's 26 now. Uh, to to be an everyday starter in this league. Quick question I should answer here, uh, which other people may actually be wondering. Uh, at Brendan again wants to know uh, if I do live a lot since you just joined here on Twitter. I hadn't been doing these lives as I was uh, away in Phoenix. I didn't have quite the internet connection. I had decent internet there, but streaming live from multiple sources as I tend to do uh, was not uh, available to me while I was at spring training. Typically, uh, so here was the plan for the season, which I would have been announcing, you know, a couple of days ago. But uh, live podcast after every away game, um, most of them taking place down at the DNVR bar that we opened up right before our entire state closed down. Uh, so we'll be doing a lot of live shows from the bar. I'll be doing live shows from home, but after every road game, I'll do a podcast and a live video and you all can ask me questions and, and I can do my best to answer them. Um, during home games, we're still working on, you know, what that's going to look like. So for now, for the old games that we're doing, I also want to try to figure out a way that Patrick and I can uh, both go live at the same time. We're working on that. Our guy Rudo over with the abs is having to teach us all how to be tech savvy all of a sudden. But um, yeah, I um, for the for the live videos, I'm going to try to go after almost every away game, and then home games. They're they're going to have to be a little bit different probably because I've got you know post game I got to go down and, and talk to buddy and the, and the players and that can usually take about an hour um but we're working that out where maybe some days Patrick Lyons will do a live video and I'll go do post game and and we'll swip swip switch that around easy for me to say um and, and you know we'll have to take our off days like the team does and, and not really have much for you on off days. But these are um, the general ideas for what we're going to do moving forward. We still need to talk to, um, you know, Rockies media relations people and figure out what we're allowed to do because we're not allowed to live broadcast from Coors Field. Uh, there are exclusive rights owned by AT&T Sports to broadcast live from those premises and to get to our bar, I'm going to need at least 15 or, or eh, probably about 15 minutes, uh, assuming normal traffic. So we're working on it, but during quarantine, I'm going to be doing live videos almost every day. Um, after stuff that we do, whether it's watching an old game or sometimes I'll just hop on, um, you know, in the afternoon and, and take questions and, and do what I do. Um, I can do more on the cycle game later if people have questions. Like I said, I'm going to be doing uh, some Q&As and everything will be on the table. It was fun to relive it. For me, it's very, very recent and fresh. So I feel like I don't have a lot of new thoughts on it other than some of the things I noticed in hindsight that I thought were um, funny or ironic or interesting. So at Headman Ben asks, not Rockies related, uh, but are you a fan of our Pujols? Used to be a Cards fan because uh, his son 
is one of my best friends. Fully committed to the Rockies now, though. Um, I do. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Albert Pujols guy, and I, I think you had to be if you grew up watching baseball in the time that I did. He was just so, so good. Such a great ambassador for the game. Uh, everyone speaks highly of his character. One of the things that's been really interesting as I've transitioned from being a baseball fan to being someone for whom baseball is my profession is, you know, certain things that I thought about guys in the 90s and the 2000s, uh, I've learned are not true, or I've learned, you know, oh, there's another side to that story, or, you know, ah, so-and-so that you really had no concept of, but you appreciated his game, turns out kind of a jerk, you know, that that's not uncommon. Um, you hear stories about specific things that people have done, uh, you know, and you're just like, man, that's kind of too bad that, that these guys act that way. Sometimes you hear great stories. I heard a great Johnny Cueto story that I'm really not sure that I should repeat. I think it's a fantastic story, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure he'd want it out there. Uh, but, and I won't tell you again any specific Albert Pujols stories, but they've all been extremely positive. And I had the unique privilege of meeting Albert Pujols um, 2018, just a few games after he had hit his 500th home run. I think that's right. I think that's what it was. It was a big milestone, and I'm, I feel like 83% certain that's what it was. And they come to Coors Field. And, you know, I, I didn't really have an intention of making it happen. I usually don't go over much unless I have a specific article I'm working on where I think a player on the other team would have a, a good perspective on it. Uh, I don't go into the other clubhouse all that often. Our guy Patrick Lyons actually does that a little bit more than I do. I tend to stick with developing uh, relationships on the Rockies side. But I was walking toward the opponent's dugout, which is kind of, uh, you know, we do our pregame press conferences with Bud Black in the home dugout and he sits there and, and we ask questions and then to get back up into the stadium, kind of up into the press box, we have to walk through the away dugout. And I usually look around, see who's around, see if I noticed, Oh, Hey, Clayton Kershaw, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, and then you move along with your day. I, and I'm walking over and I saw Albert Pujols facing me. I just, and my first thought was, just, well, that's, that's pretty cool. And then I saw who he was talking to, and it was Tracy Ringlesby. And Ringlesby has become, and I think he would be more than fine with this description, a friend of mine. And I thought, well, this is... This is my opportunity. I know if I just hover over that general direction, Tracy's a great guy. He'll know that I haven't met Albert Pujols because he's been in the American League for the five years that I've been covering baseball. I don't know that the Angels had swung through. I had never had an opportunity to cover him. And so I just sort of wandered over that way. And sure enough, Ringlesby said, Oh, Drew, have you ever met Albert before? said, I have not. And the largest hand connected to the largest forearm and bicep and shoulder that I have ever seen 
in my life, up close and personal, reached out, big smile. He said, hello, Drew. Nice to meet you. And he shook my hand, and I was certain, in fact, I still am to this day, that if he'd have tugged down as hard as he could, he'd have ripped it clean off. <laughs> my whole arm right out of the socket. His hands are enormous. Uh, and, and you know what? So is his smile. It, was, it, it really was a, a privilege. It was one of my favorite moments since I've had this job. Uh, meeting Larry Walker, even though he would not remember it, and neither would Pujols remember this moment. Uh, but this was one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I met Larry Walker along with like four or five other reporters who had never met him before, and then another four or five reporters who had met him before. And this was just a, a very small one-on-one -on -one moment. And it was cool. There's a lot of guys I've had, you know, I've been introduced to sort of in that way. And you say hello, and they sort of shake hand and go, hey, man, how are you? And they go right back to what they're doing. But he turned, he looked me in the eyes, he said my name to make sure he had heard. Hey, Drew, and I, you know, and the whole thing. And I had his attention for a grand total of 12 seconds. And that was pretty cool. Brendan, I have been to many, 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 many Rockies games. There are times I wish that maybe that I had kept some kind of uh, count I have not. I, I, I could not tell you, especially in the last five years, six years, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. No. Seven years? <laughs> okay. I've been covering the team for seven years. Um, and I go to a vast majority of the home games. My record is eight no uh, 78 games in 2018 or 79 i think it was 79 i believe i missed two games that season two home games and one of them was a walk-off home run for Ryan McMahon, who I met when he had turned 18 a few days before that. One of the guys on the team who, again, I feel like I know pretty well, uh, who actually still gives me crap for not being at that game. Uh, so yeah, that's most years I, I get to high 60s, low 70s. I was, at some point that season, I kind of just tried to I don't know. I don't know what point I was trying to prove. I guess I was hoping to be able to tell stories like this on a podcast that um, I missed one game from being sick and I missed that night from uh, I, I had a pre-scheduled thing. There was actually a big local pro wrestling tournament that was a giant anniversary uh, thing that I, I told everybody who was involved with. I know kind of some of the wrestlers a little bit. My girlfriend photographs at those shows. Uh and I wanted to be there for them. It was a big night. And actually, one of the guys who I know, the guy that I'm, I'm closest with who wrestles, uh, champion of CSW right now, shout out uh, <laughs> to Cormac Battle, Headlocks and Horns on Twitter. Um, I ran over when it happened. I had to get up out of my seat, and I had to text a bunch of stuff to Patrick Lyons, and I had to send a bunch of tweets, and I had to miss 
half a match that was going on, but I can't believe, of course, I'm not there. And that with Ed Ryan McMahon hits a walk off and I'm doing the whole thing. And Cormac like looks over at me and he's like, what are you doing? I, we were down two nothing to the Dodgers. We hadn't scored all game. We hadn't got a hit. What are you doing? I just, I just walked over to him. I go, Rymac walk off. And he just, you know, to be able to deliver the news to somebody who is a huge fan. Um, and he just did, you know, he did like I did uh, for the Nolan Arenado cycle, the story I told her. He just did a big circle, hands in the air. Let's go. Uh, so at least, although I was not there, I was still able to deliver the news. So, of course, the one night, even uh, a home game that I wasn't at by design that season, I still ended up in a way covering and I was on my phone the whole time because I knew something special was going to happen because I wasn't there. It's baseball. Come on. You go to, there are 162 games in a season. If you go to 161, the one you don't go to your favorite pitcher will throw a no hitter. <laughs> that's, that's the game that we're in baby. So uh, <laughs> that's just how it goes. All right, I want to thank everyone for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. These are going to come more often, uh, more live shows. I'm back home finally. I haven't been home uh, for 25 days. It's the longest in my life I've ever been away from home. Uh, it was super weird having all of this unfold while I was not home. So I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be doing podcasts and live videos and doing everything that I can uh, to provide you all with some entertainment and some escapism during a tough time. Uh, make sure you're following the gaming channel, DNVR underscore gaming on Twitter and Twitch, DNVR underscore sports. If you're into video games at all, we're having a whole lot of fun over there, organizing tournaments, streaming live games. I had a Really intense contest with the Padres today in the game that should have been opening day today. Came out 9-7 to seven over the Padres. Hit two home runs with David Dahl. Almost coughed up the game. A 9-2 to two lead, but couldn't hold it with Wade Davis. and um, Scott Overing had a little bit of a rough save, but ended up locking it down at 9-7. to seven. So if you're missing stuff like that, I'm going to be playing games almost every morning. You can come and watch that. Uh, if that's not your thing, just make sure you're checking us out for the DNVR watches, uh, maybe learning rugby, uh, <laughs> you know, anything that we can do to help you through this time. And let me know what other type of stuff you'd like to see on this podcast and on the site. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.